commentary along with the book and take notes and compare ideas and stuff like that and then once you do that uh, it's gonna overwhelm you because it's just an overwhelming book I mean there's parts of it that scare me half to death I mean did it scare y'all yes please tell me yeah, okay yeah because if it doesn't something's wrong with you um, <laughs> and and then once you get through it you kind of have to get over it you know a, a little bit and then the, the, the memories of it, the book will fade because it's, there'll be certain things that you'll remember, but there'll be certain things that you don't. I mean, all the different judgments and the angels and the bowls and the, and the wrath and the trumpets. And it, it's just, and, and then eh, and everybody thinks they have it figured out, right? Everybody that writes their book, <laughs> they have it figured out. And the fact of the matter is nobody has it figured out, okay? We, we think we have it figured out. And when I was telling Colton earlier, is that every generation of Christians, this kind of goes along with the historicist view of interpretation, every generation of Christians believes in their generation that everything that happens in their generation is fulfillment of the prophecies of Revelation. 
Okay, but it, were they? No, because, I mean, because there are things that have not happened yet that I think we, we would not have missed. The huge earthquakes, the earth opening up, the scorpions coming out. I mean, I think, or the locusts. Yeah, locusts. Locust, locust. that, that I, mean, I don't think we'd have missed are that. given powers you know? like scorpions. Right, right, yeah. right. So, uh, so. Um, one other thing that I think definitely needs to be said is, guys, we, after tonight, and we're going to celebrate, but we've made it through the whole Bible together. Yep. I hope you're excited about that. I, I, I mean, I don't know how many churches can say that they've journeyed through the whole Bible on like their Wednesday night series or something like that as a whole church together. Very few. Yeah, I really Very think few. so. And so, guys, I mean, I, I've been super encouraged by this series. Um, you know, I've, I have learned new things because when you walk through the Bible together, you always learn new things. I've learned new things from you guys. Uh, you know, David asked me a question that, I mean, just stumped me right to the core. I was just like, David, I'm sorry. I mean, it was in Genesis about David Noah Fleming, and the Ark. Oh, yeah, David, David Fleming. Yeah, and I was just like. He stumped you with a question. Yeah, I was just like, I, oh, I my gosh, it. David, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, and I hope it proves to you, too, that your pastors are always growing as well. We, yep. we love God's word, and we're hungry for it, and we're always growing as well. So yep. it's really come along on the journey with us, not like we're going to educate you now. So, anyway. Yep. Yeah, all right, let's get after it. Yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> all right, we're, again, we go right along with the book, and, and this, this, uh, this cough thing I've got here, back last time we had COVID, almost two months ago now, this cough, it just hangs on, it's dry, it just drives me nuts, don't know why. Anybody else have got that, Barney? Yeah, see, so I, it's just aggravating. Yeah. So every now and then I'll have to do this and cough, and I'll try to keep from blowing your ears out. <clears throat> In this lesson, we shall take up the third point of the outline, therefore the central message shall be the same as that of lesson 51, which just means 51 weeks of the Bible, 51. And the structure of the book shall be the same as that lesson. So he's just telling you that, that the same principles that are in the central message for the first part that we studied will be the same for this one. So John wrote what he had seen, and he had seen the glorified Lord, and he described him magnificently in chapter one. Then he wrote about the things which are, which is namely the what? <clears throat> the, seven, the seven churches of Revelation, exactly, which were real churches in real places. Does everybody understand that? Those were not theoretical. Those were real churches. How many of those churches are in existence today? Just curious to see if you know this. Zero. None of them are, none of them are in existence today as far as we know. Uh, none of them are. And okay? yet they all depict churches that do exist today. Correct. Yeah. So now we come to the last part of the outline that is today's lesson. All right, so <clears throat> chapter four, here we come to the third part of the outline that God gave us, and, the thing, and this is the things after these things. So the Greek phrase is metatauta, is that right? Greek yeah, scholar, meta, okay. metatauta, yep. meaning after these things. And then, of course, the question is after what things, right? And it's pretty clear that it's after the things of the churches. So John delineates from this point on the magnificent outline of God. So what's about to happen here is, is that the church is about to be, be absent from the book of Revelation. And all scholars have interpreted that to mean that, that the rapture happens when John is in verse four, it says, after this, behold, a door standing open in heaven. And then he says, chapter two, verse two, at once I was in the what? Spirit. So most everybody sees that as being, as, as being symbolic or representing the coming rapture of the church because we've seen the seven churches of Revelation and so now the church is no longer in the picture and John is up having this incredible vision of heaven and the tribulation and what comes next. MacArthur says that um, where's the rapture in Revelation? Well, it's, it's the white space in between chapter 3 and 4. <laughs> That's good. That's excellent. That's excellent. All right, go ahead. You can read a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, we went on to the next slide here, didn't we? Okay, yeah. 
Um, you will notice in Revelation 4, 1 through 2, which, by the way, chapter 4, anyone, can I get a witness? Amazing chapter of Scripture, oh, yeah. 4 and 5. It's, it, it literally is some of my favorite <coughs> chapters in Scripture. Uh, so uh, chapter 4 here, 1 through 2. Uh, after this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I shall show you things which must be after. John was raptured to heaven, a harbinger of the rapture of the church uh, at the end of the church age. When do you see the church again in Revelation? Can anyone answer that before you look? Close. Getting close. Chapter 19. Yeah, let's keep reading. That great guesses. Uh, it, uh, it absolutely disappears from the earth. Uh, it disappears until you get to the 19th chapter when the Lord comes with his saints. The reason uh, it is uh, not seen. The church is in heaven. So, and, and again, this is, that, that's not what we would consider as, as like theologians, scholars, it's not explicit in the text. What do I mean by that? It doesn't say in the text, and the church was raptured. It doesn't say that. But it is implied in the text because you have the seven churches of Revelation. Then you have this transition, the white space that MacArthur calls the rapture. And then the next thing you see is John's getting this incredible vision of heaven. Okay? Yeah. Yep. All right, keep going. Yeah, so continuing with chapter 4. Uh, what happens from the fourth chapter to the 19th chapter is the tribulation. The judgment of God upon the earth after the saints are taken away. Real quickly, so um, something, this is good for your interpretive lens as you're reading through Revelation. So all the way from chapters 4, extending to chapter 19, you're reading about the tribulation. All about the tribulation. And that's a really good mindset to put on, on yourself because when you get down to, to the ground level of Scripture and you're reading about all this crazy stuff going on, you can get kind of lost in that. And you're like, what in the world is happening right now? <laughs> just recenter yourself in the fact, oh, this is the tribulation. It's still happening. So just, just to give you a little uh, hint there. That is the same thing that the angel said to Lot in Genesis 19:22. Uh, in 22 there it says, escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till uh, you arrive there. Judgment cannot uh, fall until God's children are taken out. Uh, was it not that, that way in the days of Noah? As long as Noah was on the earth, judgment could not fall. God put him in, uh, in an ark, and who shut the door? God, God shut, shut the door, right? Now, one, now one thing, point. what we're talking about here is judgment on the world, right? God's judgment on the world. Because I tell you, I mean, I mean, God disciplines us and judges us in small ways, yeah. okay, individually all the time. Yeah. Okay, but, yeah. but what he's talking about here is massive judgment of the whole world. And when that, when, that, when that time comes, when God's wrath, and that's why he uses the example of Noah, because the example of Noah, that wasn't just any everyday, ordinary type of judgment. That was worldwide cataclysmic judgment where every human being on earth was destroyed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, real quickly, so what, what does the word tell us in Romans 8.1? It tells us that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The judgment that's falling here on the earth is con condemnation judgment. This is, this is judgment judgment. What we're going to receive is still judgment, but it's of a different nature. Correct. Yep. Yep. So, I just want to point that out. Yeah. Am I still going? Yeah, yeah sure, chapter man. four. You're doing uh, so good. Just hey, go ahead. yeah, come on, man. Plus, let's, I've got this COVID cough. I'll have to, you know, I'll, <laughs> yeah, it's not COVID, crazy, man. We'll, man. we'll break I mean, some oil over Right, you. it's not COVID, but, but you know what I'm saying. It's the hangover, the COVID James hangover. chapter five, we'll break some oil on you yeah, and get please. it going. 
Uh, that was the judgment of God upon the people outside the ark. The judgment could not fall until Noah was safe on the inside, uh, hence God's protection of uh, the saints. It is the same way in this world as it was in the days of Lot, as it was in the days of Noah. The judgment does not fall. It cannot fall until God's children be taken out. But the very minute they uh, were taken out, the judgment fell. Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, were just, they were destroyed with fire and brimstone. And you guys remember, who was it that, I mean, the, God's judgment was so severe, who was it that turned around and looked back and was turned into salt? Lot's wife. Lot's wife, right? I mean, this is how serious and how powerful God's judgment is. Yeah, and remember, we're talking split-second timing here. I mean, with Noah, I mean, they literally the flood, the flood, the flood waters were beginning to what? I mean, they were they were rising and they were clamoring to get in the ark as the flood was coming. So I mean, it's going to be like split second, split second stuff that's going to be happening here. I mean, you'll have signs, but the the Bible is very clear that the second coming or all this will happen as what? A thief in the night. So it happens unexpectedly and fast. But there will be signs, but we won't know exactly when it's going to happen. Okay, go ahead. Here in the Revelation, after the church is raptured, uh, after it is taken out of the earth, immediately the judgment begins to fall. After the church age, after the church is raptured, chapters 4 through 19 tell us exactly what happens uh, down here when the church is taken away. There are many theories and many ideas by many theologians, and Dr. Stringfellow is trying to present what is uh, so naturally visible in the scriptures, which technically means we're not going to be wading through the really deep uh, waters of speculation of what could be. We're just simply going with the plain text. Surface read, that's right. And, and, and also remember that, that he, he, most all conservative scholars during the time that he wrote this, and, and many today, uh, who, who remembers Char Charles Ryrie, a Ryrie study Bible? Anybody remember Ryrie study Bible? Or uh, uh, what was the other one? Um, Schofield study Bible that that was all that that those were the main the main scholars that that facilitated the pre-tribulation rapture theology uh, that's in dispensationalism that dominated most of our our uh, seminaries for gosh I don't know 100 years probably 50 yeah. 60 years uh, now there's kind of more of an amillennial um, view, but 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 most of your run of the mill, and I'm I'm putting myself in that run of the mill, like everyday Baptists. Most of us all believe in in a literal pre pre tribulation uh, uh, rapture uh, because the Bible. It's pretty hard to argue against that based on the scriptures. By the way, just real quickly, all millennial. When you hear that big word, it just means no millennium. Ah, right. millennial, right. no millennium. Right. It, it means we're in the millennium now is what right. people... That Jesus that is view. ruling from the right hand of the Father and it all Tribulation's happening right now. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that whole thing. And it's no, no. And that's not a good view. Right. So don't hold that one. <laughs> what? Okay, okay, let's keep moving. All right, I'm still going. Okay, mm -hmm. chapter four, still in chapter four, which is so good. Uh, the fourth chapter of Revelation is the beginning of this glorious opening from heaven. The seven lamps, which are the seven spirits of God in verse five, does not mean that there are seven spirits. The word seven refers to what? You guys know it by now, fullness, completion, that's right. The completeness of the spirit of God. Yeah, and how, how many churches were there? Seven. How many, there were six days, and then on the seventh day God rested. So you see that pattern all through scripture. Also, if you want a connection too, go to Isaiah chapter 11, study it on your own time, and see the seven ministries of the Holy Spirit. You can do that on your own time, but I think that, that's a cool connection there. Um, that, uh, that there were four beasts in the, uh, I'm sorry, 
that there were four beasts is the he's wrong translation. His, some translations call them beasts, and he's saying there were four living, yeah. living ones. Yeah, so, so the, tran- the right translation, I'm sorry, guys, is four living ones. Zoe in the Greek meaning life, the root word for zeolo- zoology meaning living creatures. <clears throat> that was obviously a big translation snafu, uh, he, or at least he saw it that way back mm-hmm. when he wrote this. He wanted to point that out. So yeah, but, well, especially because you have the beasts in Revelation. What do they always represent? Evil. Evil, right? <laughs> so, and these are good, these are good, good, good ones here. Good comments. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Uh, these are the cherubim of the Old Testament. They represent all of the uh, creation of God, north, south, east, and west. Then you have the 24 elders representing the, tw- uh, the 12 tribes of the Old Testament and the 12 apostles of the New Testament. Awesome. All right, chapter 5. I'll take over for a second. Uh, we have here the vision of the little book sealed with seven seals with only Christ, the Lamb, able to open it. And this opening of the seven seals is the beginning of the judgments of God. Can I just say something real fast? No. You have yeah, got, go right ahead. Do, never, do not ever deprive yourself of reading Revelation chapter 5. I'm sure you've all read it, but if you have not, read it, the divine drama of who can open the scroll? Who can open the scroll? It's, it's oh, it's so good. You just got to go read it, and it's just like, it just draws me in every time. You can, ima- you can imagine what it's like working with this guy all day long in the office, can't you? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm just going to go around the office and say, who can open? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Chapter six is is the is probably one of the more familiar uh, chapters of of uh, in Revelation because you hear everybody talk about the what the four of the apocalypse, right? So here they are. These are in the six seals. The first seal is the revelation of the man of sin in 6-2. Then you look at these four horsemen of the apocalypse. So you have the white horse, which is the conqueror, which is the first seal. I just want to point one thing out about, about this white horse. If you look at um, verse, uh, verse 2 there, and I looked and behold a white horse and its rider had a bow and a crown was given to him and he came out conquering and to conquer. Um, most people see that individual as the isn't that right? Or in that yeah, right? Yeah, no, no. I was gonna. I'm following along with you. Yeah, beca- because the uh, the actual um, the actual rider has a bow, but has no what? There's no arrow, right? There's no arrow there. Okay. So then the red horse is war and death, and that's the the second seal. Then the black horse is famine. Whoop, is famine, and that's the third seal. The pale horse. Got any Clint Eastwood fans out there? You see pale rider. The whole movie was based on him being the, you know, the death on the horse. Uh, then the martyrs, uh, the slain martyrs is the fifth seal. And then the sixth seal begins the great judgment of God on the earth. And so the big question is always, are the four horsemen currently running? Um, that's a really good question. I mean, I, I think we, probably not, but, but we definitely see all these things uh, happening on the earth in one place or another at some point. Uh, but we know we have not gotten to... We know we have not gotten to the, uh, if you look at chapter 6, verse 7, and I looked and behold a pale horse, and they were given authority over fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence by wild beasts of the earth. So you have these, these, uh, these incredible, we definitely have not gotten to the sixth seal, which verse 12 in chapter 6 says, it says, a great earthquake, the sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell through there. So we, we, would you say we've gotten there yet? No. So we definitely haven't gotten there. So that, that, that is something that would be debated until 
Jesus comes back. Are these horses running? Some people say yes. Some people say no. I, I don't really know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, well, I don't know, but I think the white horse, uh, it's interesting. <clears throat> I think you've alluded a lot to uh, there will be a nation that will make peace mm-hmm. with Israel. Mm-hmm. And I think this is exactly what's going on. And I think it's in Daniel chapter 9. Do you remember the, the passage? I don't. Anyway, there will be a false peace that is made. And this is this I think is the white horse who goes out with a bow without any arrows, right? And Correct. peace, peace, you know, and it and it's going to look like peace, but it's going to be a false peace. Um, and so I wish I could remember the the verses in I think it's Daniel chapter nine, uh, maybe like twenties ish something. But um, yeah, just just a neat connection to what what you've talked about quite a bit. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you remember what what verse? Do you remember what verse? Just the whole chapter is good. That's what Nathan says. Yeah, Nathan says it's the little horn. Um, yeah, so, which the horn symbolizing power. Yes. Yeah, Thanks, Nathan. Th- this is a, one of my favorite commentaries. This is the, uh, Dr. Patterson's commentary on Revelation, one of, his favorite, uh, one of his favorite books in the Bible. And he commented on this. He said, uh, some authors view the rider in the, in the white horse. Some authors view the rider as the Messiah and point out that in rabbinical literature, a rider clothed in white uh, almost always had good connotations, if not messianic ones. On the other hand, many interpreters have not only argued that this is is not the Christ, his identity is the opposite, namely the Antichrist. And I think one of the things that they say there is that uh, he did not have uh, uh, an arrow, and there's a couple of other reasons why they don't think that. So anyway, it's, it's really interesting. Wait. In chapter 6, the rider of the white horse carries a bow and has a victor's crown and is determined to conquer whatever he can. In chapter 19, the Lord is clearly presented with many crowns, and these are, as one would expect, diadema or diadems, kingly crowns, and he fights with the sword of his mouth, which is the word of God. So there's no question that the white horse here is not Christ, but there's many people that have tried to say that it is. So, but that's the type of interpretive, I, I, I mean, that is just the kind of stuff you get into. I mean, you're talking about 2,000 years of church history coming to bear on the interpretation of this book. I mean, it takes, I mean, some yeah. scholars spend their entire life studying nothing but the book of Revelation and writing and commenting on the book of Revelation. Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, just, just another note here if you're going to try to tackle Revelation without tackling the rest of Scripture, you're, yep. you're going to be sorely disappointed. You need to go back and study hard on the rest of Scripture or you're going to really be uh, just all over the place and have so many questions and get so frustrated trying to tackle Revelation. Read the rest of Scripture first, then go to Revelation, and you're going to see, oh, I think I, I know that from, you know, Genesis and that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. So chapter 6, you have that ending with this, with this huge event where the sky vanishes like a scroll that is being rolled up. Every mountain and island was removed from its place. So, so whatever your thought is about the four horsemen running, the horsemen's running, we know the sixth seal. There is no way that the sixth seal or the fifth seal with the martyrs, I, I, just, I, just, don't, I just don't think that that, I don't think there's any way that that's happened. You know, and real quickly all. too, the scroll, what does the scroll represent? Well, it represents judgment, so there's that. But I think also, I was listening to MacArthur talk about this, and uh, he mentioned that in Psalm chapter 2, I believe it was, um, you, you see the depiction of the father uh, giving the, the son the earth. And in, in a sense, this is the deed to the earth. I'm taking it back now. It's mine anyway. And so I'm worthy to uh, open the scrolls and to unleash judgment on the earth. So I thought that was a cool note too. Yeah. All right, chapter seven, moving on. We don't, keep, we don't get moving when we're finished and then we're gonna be talking about all this on celebration night, which would be fine. <laughs> 
Chapter 7, everyone calls an interlude. The sixth chapter is that awesome judgment of the sixth seal, and the seventh chapter is considered an interlude. So when things are the darkest, we have our greatest revival. So it will be in the Great Tribulation. The greatest revival the world has ever seen will be in the days of the Great Tribulation. That's that's an interesting thing to, to imagine. One of the elders says, and this is, uh, I believe, verse 13 is where this happens, chapter 7, verse 13. Which are these arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? He's referring to the uh, great multitude from every nation from verse 9. And John answers him, Sir, you know, the elders said to him, These are they which came out from the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So in that day, during the tribulation, you're going to have a lot of people saved and a lot of people martyred. And then the seventh seal is the opening of the seven trumpets. And you have those seven trumpets in chapters 8 and 9. He does not go into that, uh, but I highly recommend you to to go through that. And what I do always, whenever there's several things in a series like that, I circle each one of them, like you see in my Bible here, I circle each one of them, and then I put a line out there, and I underline them so I can follow them. Um, because, he, because God gives us uh, comments on some. Some he just names, and then some he gives you comments. And, I, you know, I, why? I, I don't know. I don't know that we would ever know this side of heaven why that is. Um, but these, uh, these trumpet judgments begin, and they are terrifying. Uh, trumpet one, they're hail, fire mixed with blood thrown up on the earth, third of the earth was burned up, second angel, great mountain, something like a great mountain burning with fire thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, third angel blew his trumpet, great star fell from heaven, uh, wormwood, a third of the waters became wormwood, many people died from the water because it was bitter, so you've got all of these, these judgments coming upon the earth, these multiple judgments coming upon the earth, so um, scary, scary stuff, but where will we be when all that happens? Exactly, exactly. Do I wish maybe some people were here? Maybe. No, I'm just kidding. I don't don't wish that on anybody, but, 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 I mean, we we, we are going to be up there, thank thank God, from from what we believe the Bible says. Praise the Lord. Chapter 10, you have the little book which you saw at the beginning. It says here, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the mystery of God shall be finished. Revelation 10, 7 is where he points that out. So here in the 10th chapter, it says that the little book is to be eaten and it will be in your mouth sweet. It will be in your stomach bitter. Stringfellow makes the comment, the Bible becomes great bitterness if there is judgment in it for any individual, but it's sweet if the person is what? Yeah, that's why it always really, really deeply concerns me when I see people that, that profess to be Christians, but they cannot stomach a consistent diet in the Word of God. They might have a passage or two that they just, you know, cling to. I mean, John 3.16 comes to mind just because it's, you know, one of the more well-known passages that people run around, you know, John 3, that's all. They don't know who, they don't know who Christ said it to. They don't know who the guy was Jesus was talking to. They don't know anything that comes after it or before it, but they hang their hat on 3.16. But if you go deeper than that, they, some, many times people just lose interest. It's like they don't want to know anything else except this one verse. And I'm like, 
the Holy Spirit would not lead you that direction. The Holy Spirit would, would make you receptive to feeding upon the Word of God. And why would that be? Because the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are what? Yeah, exactly. One and the same. Chapter 11. This chapter gives to us the consummation of the age. Look at verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, this was, this was interesting for me, the way Stringfellow divided this. I, I've, I've never really known of a scholar that I can remember. It doesn't stick out in my mind that he explained it this way, which, which, which I thought was interesting. I thought it was interesting, yeah. So he says the revelation is done, so it seems to close at this point. In the book of Daniel, it's also divided into two parts, right in the middle, so it is the revelation. So the revelation comes to a close with the 11th chapter, so it splits right in the middle, and then it goes back in time, he says, and starts over again. So chapter 12, and if you're confused and, and, and lost, um, I completely sympathize with you. Because we stay confused and lost too as we even study this stuff. I was going to simply say sometimes, especially with what he's talking about here, think about Revelation when he gets to this point and he's talking about this point as layers. You know, so, you know, so these things are, we're going back in the story as it were and just, and just uh, the, these things are happening simultaneously uh, to a certain degree. So, yeah. There's also some, that, that some scholars that will say that parts of Revelation, like we... we we understand things according to a timeline, like way back then in Genesis chapter 1, this happens, and then it's like a timeline. But, but the book of Revelation, some believe that here in chapter 12, that God is, is explaining the fall of Lucifer or the fall of Satan that actually happened back in Genesis, because that's, that's when Satan came to earth, and that's when Satan tempted Eve and then tempted Adam. So here we're getting, actually getting an explanation of where Satan comes from and how he tempted humanity. So it's, there's all types of, of different ideas about, about, about Revelation that are really interesting and thought-provoking. So just want to throw that out there. So God through John reveals some of the personalities and some of the epics in, the, in, the, in that final judgment. So we start over, he says. The Revelation seems to close and the mystery of God is finished in chapter 11. Now in chapter 12, we start over again. First in chapter 12 is the great wonder in heaven. The woman is who? Israel giving birth to the, to, the, to the Christ child. Then a struggle between Israel and Satan, and they overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. Amen to that. Good stuff. Verses 1 through 7 and 12. Let's just read that. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. What are the 12 stars? Twelve tribes of Israel, yes. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them down to earth. Who's that? Satan and the demons, right. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who was to rule all the nations with a rod, rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in heaven. 
Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. Whoa. You know, I love this too, just one, one another comment here, um, because it reminds us that there is spiritual warfare happening. You know, there is, there is spiritual battle taking place, um, you know, in God's economy and his creation and his order of things. Uh, and so I think we always need to remember that. We have an adversary. Um, you know, we see the recounting here of, of Christ's birth uh, to a certain degree. So even this goes, reaches back to when Christ uh, came in his first advent. Exactly. So, um, it's interesting how the time <coughs> frame works in Revelation here. It's, you you, you got to pay close attention. Yeah, that's good. All right, Colton, you read for a while. Yeah, chapter 13. Mm-hmm. The first part of it is the destruction of the... Uh, description. Descri- I'm sorry, description sorry. of the beast uh, rising out of the sea. Uh, that is the political leader, the man of sin, the Antichrist. This is the Antichrist. The last part of chapter 13 is the beast that comes out of the earth. Uh, that is the false prophet, a religious false prophet. Uh, you have the three personalities in those two chapters. Chapter 12 is Israel giving birth to Christ. Chapter 13 are the beasts who shall be the Antichrist known as the uh, man of sin or the man of lawlessness. Uh, and beginning at verse 11, you have the false prophet. Right. And then, uh, so in chapter uh, 14, uh, this is an interlude, uh, which again, so when it says interlude, there's, there's pauses almost kind of to catch your breath, so to speak. I mean, it's almost like God knew that we would need those pauses uh, as the readers, but also in, in the midst of this sweeping, uh, you know, destruction and judgment that's taking place. Um, so we have that in chapter 14. Here we see the same 144,000 uh, who we believe to be the Jews, uh, you know, Jews from every tribe of Israel. Um, and you have that in verse 1 there uh, that we saw in chapter 7. There in chapter 7, the 144,000 uh, Jews were seen in their ministry upon the earth. And you will remember, if we just talked about chapter 7, there were multitudes worshiping around the throne from their testimony. So these, these 144,000 were very effective in their evangelism uh, of the lost during that time. Uh, here in chapter 14, the 144,000 are seen on Mount Zion. And you see that in Singing, verse 3. Singing, yeah. Yep, yeah, and, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good stuff. All right. Chapter 15, this is the introduction uh, to, uh, of chapter 16 and the pouring out of the vials of wrath upon the earth, all seven of them. Here you have a description of the final battle. Look at verse 16. And he gathered them into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, what? Armageddon, you ever heard that word before? Oh, yeah. It made a movie with the name of it and all that. So uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a pivotal moment here. Uh, chapter 17, you have the revelation of the scarlet woman. In verses 3 through 5, I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand. Upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of the harlots and abominations of the earth. In the last part of Revelation 17, 8 through 18, you have a description of the head of the religious of the earth. There is so much here that could take lesson after lesson, but this for us remain an overview. Does anyone know who currently uh, honest scholars are saying who Babylon is today? Go ahead. Who? No. Nope. Yes. Nope. Nope. Us. United States. 
more, more, we are purveyors uh, in our country. We are more purveyors of wickedness almost than any other nation on earth uh, is what, what most historians and scholars are saying right now. The uh, pornography that this, that this nation pumps out is beyond anything any other nation does. Uh, our, our kill rate on sh babies with abortion, abortion is beyond anything except maybe China. Um, so there are many, there are many that believe with, with our military, uh, with our moral decay, with the direction America is going, that we actually could be Babylon. Now, how does that, how does that strike you? That offends the snot out of me, but because yeah. I mean, I definitely, I definitely don't don't consider myself that. But. Well, again, we are Americans, but before that, we're sojourners, right? We're passing right. through, That's and right. so God is collecting people from every tribe, nation, and tongue, and He doesn't consider anyone in any nation any more important than the other. Uh, and and yes, He does have some special promises, though, that He fulfills and, and sees through for the nation of Israel, and we see that again, like with the hundred forty-four thousand and that type of thing. So. So anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. That, that, that was very shocking to me, and I don't, remember, I don't remember where I read it. I read it in two or three places several years ago. We, 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 went, through, we went through this whole commentary. We went through the whole book of Revelation probably, gosh, I don't know. I've been here three years. It was five, eight years ago, and, uh, and that was, that was one, of the, one, of the, one of the historicist interpretations was that America, like at this particular time, America was actually, actually had more characteristics of Babylon than any other nation on earth at, at this particular time in, in history, which just scared me to death. Uh, chapter 18, the fall of Babylon. Here we, see, here we see here the judgment of God upon mercantile Babylon. And there's another reason why. Who is the greatest economy on earth? Right. That's another reason why that fits. Yes? Their king lost his mind too, right? Say that again now. So their king lost his mind too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're not going to get the microphone together. Yeah, yeah, we'll just, just uh, let that that's, that's, right uh, we'll let that one sit and sizzle <laughs> for a bit, yeah. <laughs> so the natural world, the financial world, the merchandising world of materialism. Look at verse 12 and on down, describing those things in which Babylon traffics. Silver, gold, linen, purple, scarlet, ivory, wood, brass, iron, marble, cinnamon, frankincense, wine, oil, flour, wheat, sheep, horses, chariots, slaves, and the souls of men. So everything you can imagine under the sun, Babylon traffics in, plus the souls of men and plus slaves. So it's, 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 then he says, isn't that an amazing thing? That's merchandising Babylon, which also will be judged. It is a world that knows not God, the materialistic world. Chapter 19. So what, what, what does chapter 19 mark? That's right, the end of tribulation, right? Yep, 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 yep. <clears throat> Here is the great battle of Armageddon. It is a war. In the 19th chapter, we see Jesus and the church in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Mm, good stuff. Oh, yes. In verse 11, you see the actual second coming of Christ to the earth. And I mean, this right here, I think I've read this on Easter Sundays, just about every Easter Sunday I think I've preached over the past 10 years because it is absolutely awesome. Let's read it. Why don't you read it? Uh, starting in verse 11. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. All right, to verse 14, right? Just want to mm -hmm. make sure. Yeah. I might go a little further just because... 
I do that sometimes. Okay, verse 11. Sometimes? Just sometimes, okay. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written uh, that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on, uh, on white horses. From his mouth came, uh, comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a, uh, with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yeah. You talk about just, oh my goodness. <laughs> make, That's makes awesome. the hair on the back of your neck stand up. To yeah, I always, I always have said, you know, Christ in his first advent came, you know, humble and meek and, uh, and to right. serve. And in his second advent, man, he coming to do justice. Think and, of it like this. He came the first time in humiliation. He will come the second time in glorification. And, yep, exactly. Absolutely. Yep. So Dr. Stringfellow believes the Lord is coming during the battle of Armageddon. Uh, that is, uh, that is very, very likely based on scripture. All right, and the things we shall, that sh which shall be after in chapter 20, we see this wonderful time called the what? Yes, the millennium. It's 643, we only have a few panels left. Uh, we see here the millennium. The millennium means a thousand years, and at the end of that millennium is the great white throne judgment. So this is the resurrection. The great white throne judgment is the resurrection of the ungodly who are judged as to whether one is saved or not. The white throne judgment is for the unsaved people only. Everybody needs to understand that. Uh, you as a Christian, when we're going to be judged, we don't go to the white throne judgment because when they're judged at the white throne judgment, I mean, I mean they're, they're being cast into hell right after that. Um, and that, and we don't say that with any pleasure at all. I don't want anybody to go to hell. It just horrifies me to think that the people will, but yes. it's just a fact. Uh, all of us who are in Christ shall go where? Judgment seat of Christ. You can read about that more thoroughly in, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 3. Paul talks about um, the different type of reward, uh, uh, the wood, hay, or straw, or precious stones, jewels, when your works are burned away. Uh, at the judgment seat, and then in 2 Corinthians 5.10, I think that's right, shooting from memory, uh, he talks about how we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and be judged for the things we have done in the body, both good and evil. Your, your, your Bible may say good or bad, and the people are like, well, what does that mean? I'm like, well, sometimes your works are God-honoring, and sometimes your works are not God-honoring, and they're bad. Mm -hmm. And so when we go before Jesus as Christians... We will be judged according to our works in this life as we have served him. Uh, most Christians don't like to hear that. Um, and we got a little time. Go, go there right quick to 1 Corinthians um, 3 right quick. Just right quick. And we, we, this won't take just a second. <clears throat> just try to scare you a little bit with this and we'll go back to Revelation, okay? As if Revelation wasn't scary enough. All right, look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. These are the two clearest, the clearest passages in the Bible about the judgment seat of Christ that we, that we will face as believers. We, we will face this. According to the, this is Paul talking, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one, that's us, take care how he builds upon it. 
for one, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. What day is that? Capital D on that day. Do you notice that? Judgment day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by what? Fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So Paul is saying that the possibility exists that you can be a Christian and not have a, 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 a good, I don't know what term I want to use here, that, that, you, that the, the negative things you do while a Christian can outweigh the positive things you do as a Christian, still be saved and still go before Jesus at judgment and, and, and have, have your works burned away and have nothing to show for it but salvation. And some people say, well, I'm cool with that. Oh, really? Really, you're cool with that. You're cool with going to heaven and having, having, having no, no eternal reward? Really? Okay. Do you feel that way down here? Or are we not working to get as much as we can in this life? So think about that. All right. Um, so the millennium. All right. Uh, all of us will go before the judgment of Christ to receive the things done in the flesh, which are called rewards. The wicked shall stand at the white throne judgment to receive the reward of damnation. No Christian shall take part in this judgment. Now, I know these are the kind of things that we don't like to hear, okay? We, we, we like for things to be fun and humorous and light, but I don't think humor or fun or lightness had anything to do with Calvary's cross uh, when Jesus was crucified. Yeah. Uh, the agony, the pain, the torture he went through, that was serious business. Yeah. And, and so this, this is, ultimately, this is serious business. I mean, you know me, I love to have fun in the church. I love to laugh and have a good time. But at the end of the day, this is life or death. This is heaven and hell. It's, it, it's serious. There, there's a reason that Luke says in, I, I want to say it's chapter 6, or uh, I mean, we've just gone through it, but the, um, the, the Sermon on the Mount recounted from Luke when he says, in this time, blessed are those who mourn, uh, you know, because they'll be comforted. And, and I think what Luke is saying there is I've read through that uh, multiple times and, and really wrestled with what he's saying there. I think he's saying mourn now. I mean, you know, let your mourning be now because then later on there will be laughter, right? At the, at the marriage feast of the Lamb, mm -hmm. there will be laughter and enjoyment and rejoicing in the King, right, of kings. That's when we'll have our rejoicing. We'll have our day, right? Right now is not our day. Don't make today your day, you know? Like, make, make the kingdom and the marriage supper of the Lamb, make that your day that you're, you're anticipating and looking forward to. Um, you know, I, I know we all get anticipation because there are things, there are days that we get excited about and we anticipate and can't wait until they come. We'll, we'll build that up in your heart for the kingdom. Think about all of the glorious things. Meditate on these chapters right here at the end. And I'm telling you, there's some awesome, you talk about things you want to read, there are some awesome things right here at the end that are just amazing. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely, man. All right, final, final couple of panels here. Ch chapters 21 and 22. <clears throat> this is the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, and uh, the river of life, and this is the very end of the Bible. So here is John's vision of the new heaven and new earth. And he says that he wants to point out just one thing, and then we've got to close this out. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. 
And what does he mean by that? He asked that question. Always in the Bible, the sea was a monstrous thing. The sea departed John from his beloved disciples and his friends and people at Ephesus. So to John, the sea was a symbol of loneliness, exile, and separation. And even, I mean, if you've ever studied history, you know, sailors, I mean, they did it. I mean, they, they worked on ships, but they, they were scared to death of the ocean and the vastness of the ocean and storms and all that kind of stuff. So that was just for the ancients, the sea was, um, the sea was a scary thing. All right, he closes the revelation with that beautiful benediction, quoting the Lord, he which testifies to these things saith, surely I come, how fast? Quickly, Revelation twenty two twenty. His answering prayer is even so, come Lord Jesus. So that closes the apocalypse and it closes the revelation and it closes the Bible. Now one thing before we close tonight, when it says I come quickly, to, to somebody that doesn't understand the scripture, they see us as Christians and they hear that in the Bible, come quickly. Well, how long has Jesus been gone? 2,000 years, right. So, so, so to, the, to the average person living today that knows nothing about the word of God, I mean, that's, Peter gives us that interpretation. So, so a thousand days is one day. I mean, yeah, a thousand years is as to one day to God. So, so that, that's, that's how we have to teach that to unbelievers that might not understand why we continue to cling to the hope is because in the scripture, Peter actually prophesied the fact that mockers were going to come and that they were going to say, where, where is this Jesus that you've been talking about was coming back? Oh, like, like a thief in the night, maybe. Yeah, sure. That's good. Good point. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else we got here. I think that's it. The end. There is so much that needs to be taught in reference to this blessed book. There are so many questions in your mind right now. Is that true? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> that I hope you will study the book of Revelation not as a complicated work, but as a message from God the Father to Christ, to the angel, to John, to us. Now as we come to the conclusion of through the Bible in one year, which we took two years, uh, it is my prayer that this study will have made the Bible a book of living hope and an exciting adventure in the Christian life. May the Holy Spirit teach all of us now as we continue to teach the Word of God. So, congratulations, we finished. Woo! All right. Yes. Wonderful. Now, prayer requests. Do we have the boards? We have the boards. The boards. We have one. Uh, let me give you, while, while we are, Colton is, um, is uh, collating those, let me tell you of a commentary that you can go out to online that is absolutely free and it is fantastic. And the scholar comes from a, uh, a pre-tribulation rapture um, systematic uh, view. Uh, it is um, Dallas Theological Seminary, Dr. Thomas Constable. The name of the website, you ready? Soniclight.com. Soniclight, S-O-N-I-C-L-I-G-H-T, all together, all one word, all lowercase, soniclight.com, pretty sure. And you can download in PDF. Uh, it is for free. You don't have to pay for it. Um, you can download it uh, anytime you want to, his commentary. And it, 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 I mean, I'm not kidding. It is, I mean, I use it regularly. Dr. Thomas Constable. He is from Dallas Theological Seminary. I just want to be sure I give you the right, the right one. If my phone will work. Yes. When you put in sonniclight.com, it comes up planobiblechapel.org. 
but it'll have a little light it'll have a little um lighthouse up there on the thing here and then you'll have all the books of the bible in here and that you can click on and you can do a pdf file or you can do html uh language or i mean the html web web uh what am i trying to say web text uh web address url web, yeah. web address or whatever but it is it is excellent i highly highly recommend he will give you every interpretation and and, and why he thinks which one's right and and all that so it's just good no, 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 it's all the books. It's all the whole Bible, yeah. I've actually, I mean, I've actually printed them out. I've, I mean, as, as I've studied the scripture um, throughout, throughout time, I will print out the whole commentary, and as I study, I'll highlight it and then put it in a three-ring binder and put it on my shelves. That's how, that's how good he is. And it's free. And, and it's, mm. I, mean, I mean, he doesn't care if you download like it. Free. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what we got over there, brother? You got this one? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, uh, you want me to go first? Sure. Okay, um, so I got Bobby Short. Uh, she's doing okay at home. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, we always love when our, our church folks and our brothers and sisters in Christ are doing good. Uh, Cecilia Peach, she has an appointment Wednesday, uh, March 9th. Um, and we're ho they're hoping to get some help, uh, relief from chronic nausea. So please, please, again, pray for our sister. Dick, we're praying for Cecilia. We love her. We love you guys, okay? So just keep praying for them uh, in that. Uh, Rick Moore, uh, having heart problems, that's from uh, Ed Garner. And then um, Jennifer Miller, uh, just uh, mentioned, did I hear something? Oh. Which Rick Moore? Want to make sure we got the right Ed, Rick Moore? Which, which Rick Moore is it? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, same guy, okay. Um... Jennifer Miller, uh, she mentioned grandmother uh, Loretta Brown, um, return of bladder cancer, uh, starts chemo next week. Sorry we'll to be hear praying. that. I'm so sorry to hear that. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Okay, I've got a Debbie Haygood. Thank you for praying for, is that Betty Park? Betty Park, yeah. Let's see. Yep. She survived. But she's close. She'll be going to heaven soon, so she must, be, she must have a terminal illness. Uh, and then also, uh, Sid let us know today that Mary Sue's in the hospital. Uh, St. Thomas Rutherford um, had a, uh, has some type of bacterial infection. I think she was just put in today. He just sent that to us this afternoon. So I'll let, let uh, Sam Dombrowski know so he can check on her. Uh, he's her deacon, but we'll be, uh, we'll be checking on that tomorrow and try to give you an update on that. I don't, I don't obviously, serious or she wouldn't be in the hospital, but we just found that out this afternoon. So, yes. I mean, I went and saw her Monday. Jim, Jim's got yeah. A heart murmur. Okay. Yeah, I think she said it was heart, but she she was. I mean, she was fine. I mean, I went and saw her Monday morning. I mean, she was sitting up and laughing and joking and just normal, normal. Just Bobby. like Bobby Short. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think they released her that day. I think or Tuesday. It was pretty soon after that. So, you know, she had the exact same thing happen. Like the first year, the first few months I was here, I remember she she something happened to her right over here. I remember that. Okay, why don't you pray for us, brother, yeah. and we'll be dismissed. Let's pray, guys. Father God, I, we come to you now, and um, Lord, I just feel so humbled after walking through Revelation. Lord, and thinking about you, Father, uh, the one I'm praying to right now, who is uh, arrayed around the throne with peals of thunder and flashing lightning, Lord, and, and there's worship happening around your throne, and and God, I just can't even begin to fathom. Um, even, even Scripture itself, 
Uh, the words can't totally describe the beauty of what we'll one day see, Lord. And that's you, Lord. I, I, I can't wait. And I hope for us tonight what Revelation has done more than anything else is to whet our appetite for that, that day that we long for, for, for the marriage feast of the Lamb, when we get to be with you, Lord. And, 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 I, and help us, God. Help us in that to build up our anticipation, to know that we are sojourners walking through this life, and we're trying to bring as many people along with us as we can. Lord, let that be our mission, our cause, that you would be our banner, Lord, and, and we really would, would be desperate for those who are lost, because we see here in Revelation 2, I'm so humbled again, Lord, talking about those who will go to the, the white throne of judgment, Lord, and hope will be done at that point. God, let, us, let it not be right now that we waste our time. Father, I plead with you, would you put it in our hearts in urgency so, God, we can, we can um, take captive with the mind of Christ, Lord. We can take captive as many as we can for good, Lord, to, to, to see the gospel and, and Lord, to, to taste and see that it's good and believe because of our proclamation, because of our witnessing to how good you are, Lord, and how good the gospel is. And so, Lord, I pray that, Lord. Help us to, help Revelation to comfort us I know that it's, it's a very intense book, Lord, uh, and yet in, in many ways it's comforting too that you're going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. Lord, I think about that for all the people on this prayer list, for, for our sweet sister Cecilia. I wonder how many tears she's cried. And the fact that you, God, care for every single one of them and you're going to wipe away her tears. Oh, Lord, how sweet is that. I just want to rejoice in you, Lord. I know I've cried so many tears and Lord, you're going to wipe away my tears. Thank you, God, that you are the God of comfort. I thank you, God, that you're the God of justice and that, Jesus, you are going to be riding on a white horse and you are faithful and true. Lord, you, you, there's no shadow or, or variation of turning with you, Lord. There, you, you cannot be tempted. You cannot be swayed. Lord, like the, the corrupt leaders of our nation and the nations abroad, you cannot be swayed, Lord. You are the leader which we cling to and trust in. And one day you are going to smite the wickedness on this earth and you are going to destroy Satan and you are going to cast him into the ever-burning uh, furnaces of hell. And victory will be won. And we no longer will be tormented by the evil one. Lord, I thank you for these glorious truths. And I pray, God, that you would help us again as we read Revelation, as we revisit it, Lord, whenever we do, God, that we would uh, uplift our hearts to look and to seek you, Christ. And Lord, I do pray for all of these prayer requests. Again, our, our sweet sister Cecilia, would you give her comfort? Would you give the doctors, please give them insight, give them answers to help uh, our sweet sister. I pray that, I plead it, Lord. We thank you that you have protected Bobby Short and that this was not as big as it could have been, Lord. We thank you for that and that she's back at home and she's healthy, Lord. We, we love our sweet sister. And so God, please, I, I pray you'd continue to protect her and uh, to, to sustain her health, Lord, I pray. God, I think about uh, Rick Moore, Lord, and, and heart problems, um, just how frustrating that has to be. And God, I pray for him, Lord, that you would heal him, protect him, help him to know that you're present and near to him, Lord. I plead that, Father. And Lord, I pray for Jennifer Miller and her grandmother, Lord, um, in this devastating news that cancer has returned. Mm. Lord, I plead with you, Lord, would you give her comfort in the midst of your presence? Would you help her to know that you're near and that you love her, God? that she can cast her cares upon you, Lord. I pray that. I, I pray that you'd put your healing hand on her and heal her from, from this cancer, God. 
I pray that, that Lord, it would be one of those situations where she returns to the doctors and they, it, they don't know what happened. It, it, and that happens, Lord. You do that. And so, God, I, pr- I plead that. And yet, Lord, if that doesn't happen, I pray that you would give her great faith to walk through this time of turmoil. Lord, we thank you for every single blessing you've given. And help us to go outside of these walls ready to proclaim your glory so that we can bring more people along with us to the judgment seat of you, Christ, and so that they will avoid the judgment seat, the white throne of judgment. We love you, Christ, and it's in your heavenly name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you all so much for being here tonight. Woo, we're done. Lord willing, see you Sunday. And we'll see you next week, and we're going to celebrate. That's right. In here, we will have food and have a great time together of celebration.